0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Oh So Curious. And today we're talking about a very strong weekend at the box office. We've got four movies crossing $25 million threshold at the movie theaters, which is rare to see this time of year. We are in August, which usually are the dog days of summer. But uh, today to talk to me about all that is happening at the box office is Angelina, how are you doing today?
1: Good, how are you guys? I'm in Colorado right now. Um, It's actually beautiful it's crazy hot driving here but
0: it's, uh, it's good <laughs> yeah it's nice hey where i am it's nice and warm out the sun is out yeah. um it was it stopped raining a couple of days ago so i'm glad that you know the, it's august but it's and it's it's hot but it's not super hot like you know it's yeah. it's, it's it's bearable heat i think we oh, had a heat arizona raise.
1: was unbearable but that's okay yeah, <laughs> yeah that was unbearable i was well, literally like, in my car yeah. full ac on like oh god
0: but like, you're in Colorado now, so I'm sure, like you know, the elevation oh, helped yes. cool things off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I wanted to kind of start off by talking about well, what is continuing to be an absolute phenomenon and Barbenheimer. That's Barbenheimer. Just re- It's still steamrolling the box office. Barbie is basically gonna have made a billion dollars worldwide by the end of this weekend. It's already about to cross 500 million domestic. So it's got a very even mix of international and domestic in North America. And then we have Oppenheimer, which is quickly trending towards becoming the highest grossing biopic movie ever. It's already like getting close to what, like a half a billion uh, itself. Yeah, it was like
1: 550 million.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, insane. it's insane, but like even the new movies that have come out this week, like with the Mech 2 and TMNT Mutant Mayhem, both of those movies are going to be crossing the $25 million mark in their opening weekends. And then the MAC2 worldwide box office start is at like 120 something. And then mm-hmm. you've got Team Intermute and Team Mutant Mayhem, which has got a 96% Raw Tomato score. So that's amazing for a you know, franchise that has had, that had its ups and downs over the years. And it's set to be like the high, second highest grosser of the weekend, right behind Barbie. Barbie is going to be coming in around 50 some odd million dollars. And then Team uh, Team and Team Mutant Mayhem is like somewhere in the 30s. So. Like, is this impressive to you? Like, the fact that we are in August now and and there's so many movies making money at the box office.
1: You know, I think it's also such a wonderful trend. I think so many people are finally going back to the movie theater more regularly. I've, like, talked to friends who have AMC passes now and, like, people are getting back into the movie theater and slowly getting away from, like, I want to watch everything from home, which I think is a trend that's going to keep going, right? It's just... COVID was a massive hit to everyone, but now everyone's getting back into the swing of like going to the movie theaters. And then you have movie theaters that are actually trying to make it more, I mean, in general, like with AMC pass, I feel like Regal might have something kind of similar as far as discounts and stuff go for members. Like they're trying to make it more accessible to the masses but then also we've got some crazy good movies um Oppenheimer I still when I think back to it I think it was like one of the best movies I've seen in a long time I think it is Christopher Nolan's like one of his best films I honestly think it's gonna win so many awards and I feel like everyone I'm talking to is feels the same and that kind of talk along with Barbie just keeps going right and so that's the thing it's like I have talked to so many people who are like, I have yet to go see Barbie. I am going to the theater to see it. And it came out at this point, like two and a half, three weeks ago. Two weeks? Two weeks.
0: It's been like three. This is this is this third weekend. Okay. Um, and I've been to see it a second time this week, and the theater was packed, and it wasn't even a yeah. Friday.
1: So. I know a lot of people that are going to see the movie twice. I know a lot of people that are going to see the movies with different groups of people. And it really has become sort of like this massive massive experience versus just yeah. going to the movies um yep. what is so hilarious is i was telling you earlier i'm in telly Ride this weekend for a wedding and there is one movie theater here one one movie theater in this <laughs> little town it has one physical theater within the movie theater and it is only playing barbie twice a day that is it that's, that's all it, this yep. town is seeing and the closest <laughs> movie theater is literally when i was looking i think it was in flagstaff so
0: wow yeah, that's a ways, that, that's a good drive away. Yeah, that's like, I, I used to work, I, I did like, I was a part-time IMAX projectionist for a couple of months oh. a few years ago at like a aquarium in, in Connecticut where they had this old 70 millimeter IMAX projector. So like, you know, mm. like a traditional IMAX yeah. screen and everything. And, you know, the platters are huge. Like, you know, you have like real IMAX 70 millimeter film. And at the time they had an exclusive deal with Star, with uh, Disney to play Star Wars The Last Jedi. And that's the mm. only real movie. Like, they would play like the aquarium stuff that's like 15 minute movies. But the only real movie Just that they played over and was over and
1: over and over again.
0: Yeah, over and over. It was so it was funny. Quite, yeah. But like, it, but even though, that the, movie, the town
1: coffee shop here is still like yeah. dressed up for Barbie. Like, they like yep. it was like a town thing. And I feel like so many small towns across the country really invested in Barbie. And then you see the Barbie mm-hmm. marketing everywhere because everybody was right. pairing with barbie and so with that sort of subliminal messaging it's just going to keep going i think i think barbie might yeah. actually just like break box office records if it hasn't already it,
0: it's already the second highest grossing movie of the year it's gotten their yeah. record pace it's it's trending ahead of super mario because super mario three weeks in wasn't this far ahead in this box Mm -hmm. office and i'll be just from my experience alone i don't usually go see a lot of movies twice in the box office because a i don't have a lot of time b it's also one of those things where i'm like maybe i should spend that time watching a movie i haven't seen like because you know i can wait to watch it on digital but watching barbie a second time was as enjoyable if not more enjoyable than the first did you go
1: back and see it a second time i feel like i need to in order to fully fully understand all of like the jokes because obviously visually there's a lot going on and Mm -hmm. character wise like there are a lot of jokes and a lot of stuff that get thrown back and forth and obviously you catch the really like flagrant ones but some of them i was like wait what and i feel like if i go back and see one more time it'll all really sink in There's a couple
0: of nuanced elements that I caught this time around that I completely missed the first time. And then there's a few things that I was like, you watch it once and you remember it a certain way, but then you watch it again. You're like, oh, and then, you know, you kind of so you you experience it. And then there's the first time around going to watch the movie and then I need to talk about it on the weekend on the podcast. Like your mindset is like, okay, I got to make sure I absorb everything, get all my notes and you sort of like mental note taking. But yeah. the second time around, I'm just there to enjoy the movie, and yeah. it's it's even more enjoyable because you're just you're just taking it in as as just a viewer, and it's just it's a hilarious movie. That's also the best way I will describe it. I don't know if you ever watched Lazy Town when you were like younger, yeah. but like it's if you ever find something like it's it's basically like a kids show where you have like you know it's a live action show. It's like this fictional cartoonish town, and you know there's people. It's it's basically for like young uh, children, but. Um, or like if you watch the, one of the Grinch movies, for example, it's yeah. kind of like that where, especially the newer Grinch one, the animated one, it's sort of like that, but for adults in live action where nobody's taking themselves seriously, it's this yeah. over on the top. Play sort of an environment like the the. I, also, like I'm just Ken. Song hit me so much harder. I'm just the second Ken. Time yeah, it's like, like a joke
1: now. Like mm-hmm. I, it's it's becoming a cultural trend talking about mm-hmm. Barbie, It has made its way into all of the jokes. And now that song is going to be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Thank you so much for that, Dan. I
0: appreciate
1: that. Um, yeah, like, also, anytime. Ryan Gosling killed it. I think he actually sang all of it. Right.
0: He, well, yeah, he's like done, he's true. done his own singing. He's he was in La La Land, right? Like he did. He's, oh yeah, so he, know he La, La, La La Land.
1: He he grew yeah. up doing musical theater, but I just wasn't mm-hmm. sure, like if this was actually fully him on the album or not. I'm but, Pretty sure um, that wasn't, yeah. Hilarious.
0: In so fact, funny. I just I saw a story. I think it was either on Variety or Deadline, where I saw that for Greta Gerwig's birthday recently, he surprised her with like a flash mob of Barbies and Kens. I think. <laughs> performing probably yourself in the movie, kind
1: of genius. He's mm-hmm. it. Also, I love the camaraderie of everyone on that movie. Everyone loves all everyone else so much, mm-hmm. and I, we've heard Greta Gerwig talk about it, we've heard Ryan Gosling talk about it, we've heard Margot Robbie talk about it, we've heard America Ferrera talk about it. Everyone was like that. Movie was everything. The making of that yes. movie was everything, and I just feel like yeah. there's not a lot of movies that you can walk away from and. See and that.
0: But and as i like an actor, like, just think about this. Right, yeah. I've seen some of the, have you seen some of the behind the scenes footage on this? Because no. like some of the, a lot of the sets, all the Barbie land stuff, like they built those sets physically. So you're yeah. physically in the space. There's not a lot of CGI. It's kind of like working on a Wes Anderson movie, right? Like where you have all the miniatures and stuff, but you are, yeah. it's like acting on a play. So you, as an actor, get a full experience of like, you don't have to use your imagination. Everything is there for you. So you can just worry about bouncing off the other actors in the scene with you and I think that's what this movie also had there's a lot of like old school movie techniques that they're using in this uh, whether it's practical vfx or like the way the set elements fly in and fly out and and then you know will like even the, the like will ferrell's character and then just the the metaphors and I just the nuances of everything in This movie hit me even like, or like yeah. when they're having this Scooby Doo like chase through Mattel's. Well, also, it's so
1: funny too because <laughs> what it's been three weeks and now we're still talking about Barbie, and you right. know that that is like a huge like, deal.
0: Like, it's making over 50 million dollars at the domestic box office at this third weekend, and there's two been like a dozen and there other have
1: been two or three movies that have come out since,
0: yeah, not just that, but like, there's been another like a whole like, I can probably count on two hands. Big blockbusters or supposed big blockbusters that have come out this year that did not make fifty million dollars in their opening weekend or made only a little more than fifty million dollars. Yeah. Barbie's doing that on his third weekend to the yeah. point that you know it's it's not. Only, and the thing is, it's it's a kind of movie that's not just doing business for itself; it's uplifting the box office as a whole. Because and it started with Oppenheimer, but I feel like even teen you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Meg has sort of benefited because people are at the movie theaters they're like having well, fun also, they're like, this is a i movie. saw
1: something yeah. that said that barbie is actually helping uh helping the overall economy and helping fight the recession which i thought was so crazy like i read i gosh i don't know what article i wish i would have saved it it was yeah. so nuts to read but they were talking about how to really like the the phenomenon of Barbie is helping America stay out of like a like deep, deep, deep reception and is really helping stimulate the economy, which is insane to think that a movie can have this much power. But Margot Robbie called it, right? She did. yes yeah. yeah. So
0: she, when she pitched it to the movie studio to the studio, she, she was this like will be
1: a billion-dollar billion
0: dollar movie. movie. But she was like, I wasn't really sure. And like all of us well, here we are, you know? It's yeah. it's basically there. It's 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 crazy because this movie is not just... It's it's one of those things where you go and watch this movie and you can enjoy it on many levels. It's like everything that is good about life kind of a movie, but at the yeah. same time, it's it could be mindless fun kind of a movie. It's a great movie for the entire family to watch. It's a great movie if you just want to have a laugh for yourself. If you're feeling down like and you want to go watch a movie, Barbie is a great movie to go check out. And then because it's summertime, a lot of people, I, I bet you are probably going to watch other movies while they're there or they're like this reinvigorated my love for the movies and now I'm going to come to the movie theater more often. And as a result of that, they're seeing other movies too. Like I was reading on deadline that this weekend is going to be only the fourth time in box office history that four movies will be get, making more than $25 million at the box office. And I think the That's last crazy. time was in 2018, which if I remember, yeah, so on the article it mentioned the last time this happened was in like Thanksgiving 2018. And, you know, Thanksgiving time, Christmas yeah, time, those are pre-COVID. big time for movies.
1: Pre-COVID!
0: So it's, this is just an average weekend in August doing some all-time level business. 178 million dollars at the box office and then the weekend that barbie came out with oppenheimer was like 200 million and then last week was almost 200 so yeah you're right like the effect is there right. because like is lift yeah. it's 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 not it's it's literally just lift, helping you know? yeah but, well then what, what all of it? the all yeah. of the
1: collaborations with barbie everyone like is like shopping the barbie trends mm-hmm. and doing this and it's crazy
0: yeah the color um, pink is back in style
1: you yeah i feel like i need to go buy more pink now like i feel mm-hmm. like that needs to become a part of my
0: closet oh, absolutely. and it
1: it was not previously um <laughs> So you actually went to go see two of the new movies that came out this week. So you went to go see the new uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles?
0: Teenage Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Yeah, it's a long time ago. There we go. And then
1: you also went to go see Meg 2. I literally could not go see the, the movie this week because I drove to Colorado and the only movie theater that had Meg 2 was in Flagstaff. And I was so dead after driving for 10 hours, I couldn't see it. So I did some reading. But what did you think before we get into the reviews and everything about it?
0: Uh, so, so the Meg 2 is the most mindless, fun movie that you could probably watch in theaters today. Where I was at the, like, literally I'm watching there. And then every time, like, the next ridiculous thing happens, I was kind of like, hmm, okay. Like this, Like, that was me the whole time, like okay, cool. Like, you know, it's like, I I know it's crazy ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. There's no like, like the science of some of the things they explain makes no sense or like the, it, it looks like lazy writing or there's some really bad cheesy dialogue, but, but you're just like you know what? Uh, I don't care because this just looks like it's fun. And clearly, like the oh in the God. movie, they weren't taking like some of their stuff seriously. And there's moments like the bad guys are as one dimensional dimensional as any bad guy in the in a Mortal Kombat movie from the '90s. That you know, there's this one moment like okay, spoiler alert, where like one of the bad people in the movie. Um, She's like, "Oh yeah, this glass is thick and like, you know, Jason Statham's character is like all worried about it." And she turns around and like, "Oh, we should for our office." Like I was thinking we should like and she's talking about some interior like she gets into something really frivolous and then one line later you and there's a shark that just busts through and eats her and you know, it, it's just and i was like that moment, i'm like yes because of course yeah, that will happen it. and mm-hmm. i am all for that and yes mm-hmm. you do deserve to be in and, and that's funny and i do not care if it's ridiculous it's that and that was the whole movie that was literally so, the whole, yeah okay
1: that is what i am reading because you guys uh, the rotten tomato critics the critics comments on this movie are <laughs> freaking hilarious i actually what? kind of want to read top one because it i just it's so dead this franchise needs to be buried at the bottom of the atlantic for a couple of decades along with some illegally dumped (laughs) nuclear waste perhaps then it might finally mutate into something entertaining she is from the observer in uk her name is wendy um wendy eyed yeah hilarious that is that is basically mirroring all of the critics about what they're saying about this movie, they're saying it's so bad it's bad. Like it's so bad that it it there's just like there's no <laughs> there's no saving graces. But so critics' choice score right now is 29%, which I actually don't even know.
0: I think that's a valid number, although I feel like that might be a little too high because I feel like there's been better movies that have had worse scores in the past. <laughs>
1: hilarious um, so the only other movie in theaters that's doing that poorly is uh Mobland. and i don't even know what that movie is
0: i've never heard of that one um Me but either. like jason statum is in this movie as like he's got one of the he, it's one of the most stiff performances from jason statum i've seen but like he's got a natural charisma to him there's some so some of the action stuff that he does he's good at right but anytime he's not in an action sequence he looks very stiff <laughs> clearly mm-hmm. out of like out of place and it's it, they, they, you know clearly they, they have him in this movie because he's a star he has draws an audience people like seeing him in action movies but you yeah. could tell like he's a limited performer in the in the sense that he's not the best actor he's not yeah world. he's
1: not an actor first he's, yeah, like he's not like a guy first he's not what you would call it
0: yeah he's not like a yeah. thespian or somebody who you would like call to do a, a stage thespian. play He's like it's so and and it was there's definitely moments in this movie where I'm like yeah you know what like yeah it's jason statum there what else can i ask for like okay i'll just take it as i and the other other i feel like
1: everybody is saying that about this movie you just gotta take for what it is because that's really Mm -hmm. awful and you gotta just lean into how cringy bad it is and
0: i'm like but like that's that's the best attitude to go towards have towards this movie and go in you should not have any expectations if anything you should expect something terrible because then you'll just have a better time with the movie did it at least
1: make you laugh
0: like, yeah, it, there was definitely some ridiculous moments. There was some there, there are some fun there, there are some cool moments in the movie. Yeah. I will give it that. But there are some very ridiculous moments. There's there's a couple of horror moments in the early part where they're in the trench and and, and you know, where you actually start like the direct I feel like that's probably the best directed part of the movie. But then there's things like where distance stadium at some point in like what I assume they were referring to as a trench could be like something like the Mariana trench, which is so deep. That the only way humans could survive down there is if they're in these pressurized vessels. And okay, so they have these super suits that they develop, which help them survive. But at one point, he just goes out into the water, and he's like, "Oh yeah, as long as I let I clean clear my sinuses and let the water into my sinuses, the pressure will even out, and the water won't crush me." I'm like, "No, that's not how it works. The pressure will crush you like a grape because you you may have filled your sinuses with water." But you did not feel your blood vessels or anything else in your body like you would be crushed in an instant. That's why, you know, we saw that uh, new in the it was in the news a few weeks ago with that sub that was going down to the Titanic. Yeah. The trench would be even farther down. Th- then the pressure is even higher. It made absolutely no sense. But in the moment, I'm like, OK, they at least tried to give it an explanation. Whatever. Um, it's not that kind of movie. Let's just keep watching. So that was kind there of my. There's no science here. Keep going. Yeah, like it was, just, it was like, okay, you know what? They tried. At least they did not just say like, oh yeah, it's totally fine. Like people, they tried to give an explanation. I'm like, all right, cool. A for like A for effort, and and you know we'll just keep moving along. So, but, but then the score is
1: a little bit higher, seventy four percent. So people are l- liking the movie. Like yeah. like people that are going to see it are kind of I think walking into it with that sort of mindset of like, yeah, it's gonna be the worst. Exactly. I think
0: this is a great example. It's a great example of a movie where people are going in with the right set of expectations. I mean, at least most of them. like I feel like that is so important
1: nowadays because I feel like that's, I walked into Renfield expecting it to be awful. And it was actually pleasantly kind of funny, mm-hmm. and I feel like when you give a movie like that absolutely no expectations, that is when you can be surprised, or it fits in exactly with what you thought it was going to be, and that's fine too. Like The Witcher, when I watched The Witcher, I anticipated being awful, and then I kind of like I built like a fondness for it. I'll be able Yeah,
0: to see yeah still. it's I'm
1: like yeah,
0: it's what expecting- it is. If you go in expecting the greatest thing ever, then I think most of the time you'll end up being disappointed. But if you go in, like, in the, with a movie like this, you're just got to yeah. go in expecting, like, very little in terms of a good movie. You're, you know, you're going to watch a bad movie and you're just gonna have fun with it. And then, yeah. you know, this movie delivers on all the st- things that I think there's plenty of sharks. There, there's you know, there's a few other like Jurassic sort of animals in this movie that almost at some point this movie starts feeling like a Jurassic Park movie. Okay, um,
1: it kind of it gives like it kind of gives out right because the Megalodon is like supposed to be yeah.
0: some
1: massive dinosaur. And,
0: and the other thing was this movie like when I walked in I was like okay I saw a couple of Chinese uh you know company logos in the beginning of the movie so I'm like okay so it is Chinese finance like that makes sense like you know there's a lot of uh, movies today yeah. that are like you know uh, so it's nothing new. Like even Independence Day resurgence was like half Chinese finance, and you could tell when sometimes when the when you see that there's a big influence in the movie itself. So half, almost half of this movie, not well, not almost half, but let's say maybe like 30, 40 percent of this movie was like you know in and around like the uh, in, in the South China Sea, I think, or like in that part of the world. Also, like people just speaking in Chinese and you're reading English subtitles. Half of this cast, the feature cast in the movie, or like yeah, basically half the main cast was like Chinese. And and so you have a lot of like, they clearly are aiming to make this a big hit with Chinese audiences, which yeah. I'm completely fine with. So I mean, what is like, it doing? These...
1: Has it already released in China?
0: I actually, I'm not sure if it is, but if even oh, if it hasn't, it probably yeah, will. Yeah.
1: It will probably the, do really well over there.
0: And the fact that it's making like a, up to uh, close to like 150 million on this global box office debut while only making like 30 of that in domestic North American box office, that clearly means that there's plenty of legs be- I mean you know, there's plenty of audiences out there. The yeah. the first Meg started off with a similar number and then eventually finished at like five hundred some odd million. So
1: where are we at in the box office right now? Um I don't think I saw any reports about that
0: yet. So this it's currently set to make somewhere in like the high twenties, if I'm correct. So it's okay. not it's not Ter- you know the accurate the, the final numbers don't come out usually till Monday, yeah. but it's it's looking at like high twenties, maybe around thirty million, and yeah. worldwide it's 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 coming out to like you know upwards of one hundred and twenty, which is mm-hmm. which is a pretty solid number for like yeah. a movie like this. And again, it's one of those things where people will go watch it; they won't expect it to be a fantastic movie. I mean, but like you'll get the sharks, you'll get Jason Statham, like you know beating up and sharks. And also after sharks.
1: getting so many politically charged movies, right? Like Oppenheimer, is mm-hmm. so heavy. Barbie, fairly politically charged. There are like a lot of t- yeah. There's a lot of conversation to be had about the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, this feels like a really dumb breath of fresh air.
0: It, it just yeah exactly. It's just there to give you like a bunch of fun shark action. You know, yeah. people getting eaten by Love sharks,
1: killing cool. sharks.
0: That's yeah. that's all there is. Sharks. There's nothing. Sharks. There's no, there's no bigger purpose to this movie existing other than just for you to go watch it, have some dumb fun at the movie theaters, and then you know that's it. That's really it. I
1: mean, it's like almost as cringy as Jaws was. Like the OG Jaws is cringy. Like when you there's watch it back, definitely it's like,
0: moments. Yeah, because it's got oh a crazy, it's, it's got this like crazy psychosis effects to it. Where like oh, once I- you get into the movie, you're in it. But like if you recount your experience after the fact, you're like, what? The- but. Like, you know, like the suspension of disbelief doesn't quite yeah. hold up in hindsight. So, yeah, totally. I definitely agree with you on that. Um, well,
1: I mean, people are going to keep going and seeing it. You guys let us know if you do go see it, what you think about it. Remember to like, share, subscribe to all those things. But we also, not we, he, he, I pointed in the wrong direction. He <laughs> went you go see um Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? How did you feel about the movie? How does it compare to Meg 2?
0: It's definitely the better movie it's okay. definitely the better you know it's
1: jackie chan's in it which is so cool
0: and that was the first voice that i noticed in the movie so i'm like oh, oh wait yeah. wait that's splint wait that sounds like jackie chan because like i noticed that, the accent i'm like that is it ja-. and then like 10 minutes later, yeah. i'm like that is jackie chan and then like the first time i saw ice cube's character like Superfly, i'm like that Yay. is ice cube like that um, i yeah. had no idea he was in the movie
1: Seth Rogen is in it, as well as John Cena, Mm -hmm. but they did get, like, actual kids to voice the Turtles, which I think is cool. cool. Like, that's a really good voiceover, and obviously Andrew can speak more to that than I can, but it's definitely, um, it's always kind of nice when you have kids actually playing kids versus, like, Mm -hmm. adults playing kids, because that gets a little, like...
0: Sometimes. yeah it gets tricky and also you end up in a situation where it doesn't sound as authentic because especially with this movie like this movie was filled with references like cultural references mm-hmm. of all kinds whether they're referencing like the mark ruffalo scene in avengers endgame where he's like the hulk and he uh, doing autographs and we know famously that you know he improvised some of that scene in Avengers yeah. endgame and so they, they're referencing that all the time they're referencing a bunch of other like movies and tv shows throughout the whole movie there's all there's like the pizza stuff and the, the, the they talk like real teenagers would talk like it okay. feels very authentic so yeah. like the dialogue feels like real like there's no oh these are pretending to be kids that you know I just happen to be these Ninja Turtles. No, and it's a it's a grounded movie too in terms of like what yeah. these characters want, like and you know what they're not able to do because they're turtles and like the world kind of you know they haven't had a good experience being around humans, and and it's a really fantastic story of learning to you know live in well for to be accepted by the humans and like earning that acceptance and and being felt like being feel, feeling like outsiders in the beginning and then you know even when people don't trust you still doing the right thing and then through your actions earning that trust so the, there's a very heartfelt character-based grounded story behind it all this The is only yeah. downside to this movie that i thought was and this is very subjective i think for a lot of people this will be no problem whatsoever the animation style kind of bothered me because a lot See, of the, that's
1: what I said I was like I saw the trailer and I was like it looks weird
0: because I've seen a lot of movies do that but like yeah. so here's the thing the thing that bothered me wasn't so much the drawing style it was the, yeah. the the issue was the frame rate there was way too much of this movie that felt like it was 12 frames per second than that I would have liked for there to be which basically meant like I was seeing like choppy video almost right oh, like yeah. you're seeing like images move. which I'm like if I wanted to go watch something that was entirely like anime which is done like 12 frames per second to save cost then i would go watch a dragon ball z tv show episode but like with spider-verse movies for example which basically started this whole trend they vary the frame rate depending on like what element in this shot they want to show at 12 frames per second the other ones are at 24 sometimes at 18 so that you're getting smooth motion in a lot of places but you're getting choppy motion for effect and times Mm -hmm. this movie it felt like almost all the time was at 12 frames per second and it was just a little jarring because i just felt because you know at that point it's hard to kind of put the motion together between the images between Mm -hmm. each frame so it was it got i got used to it for a little bit but then i there was definitely scenes where i just kept getting like wait you just kept
1: focusing on that rather than actually look look away or like
0: yeah Yeah. it was distracting so i just felt like like maybe Maybe they didn't get the balance right there as much as they should have. But I will say, like, compared to, like, the Michael Bay movies, the character designs for the turtles were very effective because... And the cartoons,
1: too. And the cartoons. Yeah, yeah.
0: You can individually identify each turtle very distinctly in this movie, not only be, because of like the, the mask that they wear each is a different color, but because they're physically don't all look like they're the same height, the same build and everything. They each have like a different sort of like body shape, slightly different oh, height and fa- facial cool. features and stuff. And, not, and And then they also did a fantastic job of really bringing out the personality of each turtle and giving each of those personalities space to breathe and giving them all mini character arcs. So you never felt like you could combine all four of them into one character. They felt like four yeah, the characters.
1: L- remembering the, the cartoons and even, I don't know if I saw the Michael Bay movies, I'll be honest. I remember the cartoons, like when I think back to it, they were all sort of just, they were the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like it wasn't, I don't even remember each of their names. I think one was like Michelangelo or something like that. There's
0: Michelangelo, Raphael Donatello, and I'm forgetting one's name.
1: Yeah, so like exactly what (laughs) you said. Oh, Leonardo. They all sort of of conglomerate into one entity, Mm -hmm. which is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for me. So would you say that this is definitely sort of like a positive expanse on that universe? Like Absolutely. a positive step forward they just really need to fix the graphics because that yeah i
0: just accurate. think the animation style could be a little like more like movie friendly like in motion yeah. sick I, I, it was like a weird kind of motion sickness effect but Outside of that, the story, the way this plays out, and it kind of sets the stage for them to do more down the road. They're definitely, I think the way the movie ends, it's sort of designed to, you know, lead to more more sequels, hopefully, if this one does well. And, you know, they kind of leave it pretty open-ended. The April O'Neil character, I think, was done a lot of justice in this movie, whereas it felt like a more one-dimensional stereotype like and sexualized character with the Megan Fox playing it in the Michael Bay movies which is a Michael Uh. Bay movie so like you expect there's like a certain thing with like how he you know uh, treats certain characters but in this movie I just felt like even the influence like her character was had a whole story arc to herself you you cared about the character her motivations who she is at the beginning of the movie to like you know how where she ends up at the end And, and it's and it's kind of the biggest thing that I appreciated was it didn't feel it, it by the end of the movie. It felt like they, everybody on the team as a whole, had a nice like you know development that they went through as characters. But individually, they each like you know learn new things about themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was a very rewarding experience, and, and it's one of those things where. I am excited to see if they do another movie. I will definitely yeah. go watch it because it was an easy watch. It never felt cumbersome at times. I never really like felt like looking at the, the watch. It's it's a movie that flew by, and honestly, because like I looked at my time at the end of the movie. I'm like, oh, it's been, oh, like I, I felt like yeah. you know, the time kind of flew by. So it's it's, it's a movie that I feel like if, if you have kids or if, you, if you're a family, you want to go see it. Go see it. You'll probably be able to see it multiple times and not have to worry about like getting bored of it because there so, is a lot that happens, especially in the third act of the movie, but it's never over- overwhelming. And the way they wrap everything up at the end, they kind of bring it back and ground everything in characters, which is always the best thing.
1: Oh, I love. OK, this is good. You always you never I, I don't know. I personally never really walk into any sort of cartoon movie of any kind expecting a whole <laughs> lot. Um, <laughs> And that leaves room for me to be pleasantly surprised sometimes. So that's, yeah, I love to hear it. Maybe I will go see that.
0: The next DC film is Blue Beetle. And uh, Blue Beetle, much like a lot of movies that are coming out right now, don't have any uh, promotion happening for them, you know, with regard to doing yeah. actor interviews, red carpets or, you know, going to late night shows. Late night shows are shut down because the, uh, the 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 actor strike as well as the writer strike. But the question that I want to ask you is a movie like Blue Beetle, right? Like it's part of a franchise that has been struggling. Flash like basically flopped. It, it made like $268 million on a $250 million budget and marketing where it basically lost a hundred million dollars for the studio and before that shazam to you know shazam Fury of the gods lost even more money for the studio seemingly um, yeah. and Black Adam was a disappointment it's just it's a franchise that's struggling right so now Blue Beetle comes out and and those movies like they have I mean you know, they had the ability to promote them through a red carpet premiere they could have the actors out there speaking for it in, in the social and social media um, all of that stuff is not there for a movie like Blue Beetle so how do you feel and and you know you have you you're in la and you are usually seeing a lot of these premieres around you you're seeing the actors you know promoting everything so how much do you think not having the 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 power of the stars of your movie being the front and center on your marketing campaign not having that how much does it affect a movie like blue beetle
1: so you know it's it's an interesting sort of thing to think about because i don't necessarily know whether or not it's something linear that you can track because there's no way to see who gets pulled in because they saw this press interview on social media six days later and who gets pulled in because they saw the trailer or because they love the actor or because they are just hardcore DCU fans. I think in a way, because it's a DCU movie, it's going to be one of the first, I mean, Blue Beetle, he's like one of the first Latino superheroes in yeah. in the DCU. So I think that has a huge, huge sort of positive uh, shift In, for yeah, them, impact, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm exactly so it it could help sort of fix it, but I, I don't know, right? There's no way to really know, but it's really hard when you're coming from. Normally, when you have a movie, you do press interviews, you do trailers, there are marketing posters, there are marketing billboards, and they all go together. Right? It's all like a press release package. These actors are p- p- paid to do the press releases. They get paid to do the press tours for these movies. And so when something like this happens and you have to remove the whole press part of it, I can only imagine that it will affect the movie. But with that being said, they did, I did feel like they started releasing the trailer for this movie pretty early on. I remember seeing the first trailer for this movie months, months ago. ago yeah. So I think, in a way, even though obviously they couldn't have anticipated the strike Mm -hmm. in that time. I do think because they've been doing so much marketing and because it is a new superhero that's being introduced, it could possibly save it. Also, it looks like a good movie, which also helps. Yeah,
0: no, absolutely. It's the trailers have been good, you know, and and not every good trailer leads to a good movie. Like that's not always the case. We've seen plenty of examples where bad trailers turn, you know, for good movies and good trailers for bad movies, but the, the thing about, I think where I look at the situation and where I have come to a conclusion on all this is movies today, while the actors and the writers are striking, they all have to really just rely on their ability to entertain an audience to really sell themselves. Because there's only so yeah. much the studio can do, whether, you know, some of these movies, they've done promotional work that was done months ago before the strikes. And that's just coming out now in outlets that got exclusive interviews and stuff, which they were waiting to put out there until today. So. There will be content like that. but like as far as like actively like you know, uh beating the drum for movies, like, you know, there's a hashtag where uh, Blue Beetle Battalion is on the social media where Zack Snyder said, um, posted that, hey, I'm gonna be taking my family to Blue Beetle. Movies like this deserve our support. Yeah. So, you know, and he's, he's, he's not part of the WGA so or, or, or uh, the, the SAG, so he can do that and, and he's not involved with this project. So, you know, he's not promoting it to like promote a movie, but there's, you know, when people like that, high profile personalities, especially people who've been involved in the franchise do that, that does you know cultivate the, the the fan base to kind of get behind it and i hope yeah. that helps um but ultimately whether it's blue beetle whether it's you know the like gran turismo coming out next week whether it's any of these movies or even like a movie like tmnt Mutant and mayhem these movies now really have to even the Meg, like they have to yeah. draw for themselves the there's not as much marketing there to save them and i think it's also a test of how much does star power really matter today in Hollywood, right? Like, will will that actor promotion actually drive up the box office in a meaningful way?
1: But it does, right? And even, and there's no, I'm not sure that there's a way to actually track how much it does. But when you think about Barbie, a lot of people got excited about Barbie based off of that one Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling press tour interview that they did that went viral on social media. That is, people you cannot take that for granted. You know what I mean? Like you cannot take social media for granted. And sure, I guess they could try to pay people to run ads like with the trailer, but will it be the same as sitting down and like watching these actors and getting to know these actors and have them talk about the movie? No, it won't. So it is hard. And I think a lot of the movies that are slated for this year are going to suffer. Um, we were looking at it earlier. It looks like Sony's moved its whole slate to next year because they don't even want to risk it.
0: Right. And I yeah. feel like
1: that's a good move, and- honestly, because there's there's been so many good movies that have come out this year that it's like, do you really want to risk trying to yeah. run competition with? that
0: there's there's a lot of i mean and there's a lot of money invested in those movies like i'll give like the yeah. craven is one of those movies i a it's a sony marvel movie it's a movie that i yeah. think is it has a lot in common with blue beetle in the sense that it's part of a franchise that has its up and downs like morbius was terrible like people like yeah. venom but like critics don't like venom and like you know it's They've had their hits, they've had their misses. Like Spider-Verse has been doing really good. But then, you know, every once in a while you get one of those movies where like a Morbius. Um, even Venom 2, I think, was not as good as the first Venom. So like Craven, like, is a movie that I think is going to benefit from stars being out there talking about it. Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson promoting it, you know, Russell Crowe promoting it. Whereas with Blue Beetle, it's the same situation. You have a movie in a franchise that has been struggling of late. And I think positive buzz from the actors themselves will help, you know, put, you know, faces to the film's promotion, but also draw in an audience that may previously have been unaware of the, of the movie even existing, because it's not like Blue Beetle and Craven have a, high level of cultural awareness they're not iron man or captain america or batman or superman wonder Woman, scarlet witch like they don't have that level of you know popularity so yeah i mean i think ultimately it would help it's gonna it definitely does um have a negative effect not having like a red carpet premiere not having those interview clips go viral on social media but hopefully, if the movie is good, like you said, the trailer looks fantastic. It, yeah. And if the you know the Latino community comes out and supports it because it is the first Latino superhero and, in the DC, or I think in and general in any movie, in, in yeah. I, When yeah.
1: I, I think it it's one of the first major Latino superheroes, yeah. which is huge and awesome. But and I do think that that might be this movie saving grace. Can I say that about a lot of other movies slated still? Like Warner Brothers hasn't moved any of their slate yet they talked about moving dune but they haven't decided to do so i don't know why they're not doing that i guess because dune has such a weird cult
0: following it's, maybe they don't need it's it it's also like the big there's a lot of logistics behind moving any movies release date they've yeah. already been promoting it and they've gotten basically this unrivaled run in imax for months yeah where they're not going to have that if they, this is something the imax ceo himself said like you know that they're not going to have that runway with imax screens if they were to move it to next year like, there'll be competition yeah so uh, and then there's other reasons too i'm sure like you know like that once you move a certain set of movies you got to move a certain other set of movies because that also
1: makes sense there's no like such and thing barbenheimer should so. wind down by the time dune yeah. comes out and yeah. i already know people who are like super crazy excited to see dune you included um <laughs> you included and uh, yeah i but i feel like blue beetle and dune might be the only movies that I have to say that about and I think the rest of the movies will suffer massively this year because of the strikes and because they can't do press releases because even when you think like oh well you know press is whatever like I don't watch those and yes you do they they show up on your for you page on Instagram they show up on your Snapchat ads they show up everywhere and it goes into a deeper subliminal messaging sort of trying to acquaint you with the actors and the movie in order to get you to go buy that ticket and go see the movie. And that goes so much further than I think we give it credit for. So I I will be super interested to see really like how it affects the numbers this year. And I don't know if we're gonna be able to see that until the end of this year.
0: It's going to be interesting because even mo- like movies like the Marvels and Aquaman two that are sequels, yeah. like that the previous movies made a billion dollars in both cases. Even those movies, I think they they will have a chance at making money because they have the p- people want to watch the previous one made money liked it therefore this one they will but yeah with movies like blue i mean i hope that you know the negative effect is not too much and then hopefully the movie's quality will speak for itself so yeah i mean let us know what you guys think i mean blue beetle is coming up fast you know it's going to be it's a couple of weeks away at this point so it's basically here um so we're going to be you know obviously talking about it as it comes up we'll hopefully review it but let us know what you guys think in the comments below if you're excited about blue beetle and if you think the actor strike is going to have a negative effect on the movie's release so um, let's talk. So now we've been talking about yeah. you know actors strike, but the writers are also striking. They're now in the fourth month of their strike, and this week, so crazy. The news yeah. that was out is that the WGA and the AMPTP finally had a meeting, but mm-hmm. that meeting didn't really you know, result in them setting up a new negotiation. Like it just seemed like they were still very far apart on the same issues they've been far apart on from the beginning. So what is your take on where things stand right now? Because it's not four months in this. (sighs) Is there an end in sight?
1: Yeah. And it's so frustrating too, because it sounds by all accounts like, and obviously in this, we have to realize that, like, the AMPTP, they're there to make money, right? And you have to logistically figure that out. There's a lot of figureheads now in LA, like Karen Bass, the governor, Governor Newsom. I feel like even Biden has made, but, claims but like, about all of those claims
0: the, are like political points. Yeah, they're not doing driven, any actual work to zero. Yeah.
1: Um, and so it's really interesting because everybody is trying to like get their he said, she said, like, their own spin on what's going on and sort of interject into this massive historical situation. As of right now, what is so hard is that the WGA has made it so obvious and has has said that even if we are to, even if we are to settle and reach an agreement, we're going to continue to strike in solidarity with the actors so now i feel like in a way they have stonewalled themselves
0: yeah because but can i just can i just mention yeah. that's a clause that's already in the teamsters contract so it's not yeah. unprecedented what they're asking for but it is something new that wasn't previously uh you know on the mentioned
1: agenda. yeah i feel like that wasn't mentioned yeah. previously but my biggest thing with that is why would the amptp fight to finish negotiations for the WGA, when SAG still hasn't reached an agreement yet, and they're going to strike anyway. You know what I mean? Nobody's going back to work until right. they're both finalized. I'm just like so yeah. now. I feel like, in a way, the WGA is stonewalled themselves because there's no reason the AMPTP is going to rush over and try to fix it, right? Because nobody's going back to work. So it's it's a really crazy situation. And we all kind of knew it was going to get there. We all knew it was happening. Uh, Past few months, since SAG said we're striking, we all knew it's going to be a while. And we're just going to have to sit back and figure it out. MPTP has put a terrible distaste in my mouth for the businessmen of LA. We always knew they were gross, but now they just seem nefarious. The WGA has made some really large claims about the AMPTP not giving one single crap about the people and really trying to manipulate both parties into like trying yeah. to settle for less I mean, like you know,
0: sooner. leveraging the, the latest play in a yeah. tired playbook things like that and, and you know the uh yeah. mptb is leaning on the on the back of like, hey we just want people to get back to work you know it's unfortunate that we are being framed as such and and look into some degree i'll give them credit where credit is yeah. due in the sense that some of the issues like for example there's like three or four big issues that that that, 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 that are cause, the cause of the strike. There's the AI issue, which you've talked about before. Yeah. It's a very tricky issue. I think with the AI, it's you either have a very comprehensive set of rules that develop, very closely define every aspect of AI as it relates to the industry. Yeah. And then every nothing that is not defined in there is allowed. Or you kick the can down the road and say, everything AI related is out of the door right now. And then we're not going to touch this issue until the next negotiations. Until it happens. So
1: Well, and their biggest argument is that they don't know what AI is going to look like. So they can't negotiate on it. Okay, well then protect my rights, like I'm asking. And let's talk about it at a later date but it needs to be handled at that date exactly
0: but the studio executives are like it's inevitable we don't want to wait two years to like bring like and doing this well we don't know what
1: it's gonna look like well then how do you expect me to agree to anything if you don't know what it's gonna look like so it just really feels again like we talked about it last week it feels like a lot of he said she said people keep kicking the can to the other side of the picket line like it's your fault it's your fault at the bottom line like it's affecting everyone but Everyone's standing in solidarity, and I really, God, the AMPTP, like, they are the villains here, in my personal opinion, and I need them to just get their shit together and stop being so greedy.
0: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say on the AMPTP side, though, is um, what the AI thing, I I think AMPTP, well, they have a couple, both sides have some valid points. With AI, for example, I understand that it's kind of, I mean, you know, companies like netflix they're hiring people for ai jobs that are six-figure jobs while the strike's happening i mean it's 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 like this is something where well we don't know what that's going to look like. However, like it's one of those things though where like you know the 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 phrase with great power comes great responsibility comes to mind and it seems like the NPTP aren't exactly willing to take on that responsibility that comes with the power of wielding ai in creative yeah. works uh, so that's somewhere that where i think Definitely, they have to either bite the bullet and make a very well-defined set of structures in the contract for how AI is going to be treated moving forward, or yeah. they'll have to just say nothing. And I, th- I just think there's at this point no in between those. The other things, and
1: it's yeah,
0: the uh, the other things the, that are writer-specific because you know the actors are, have mm-hmm. other sets of demands. But like the the, the yeah. news this week was pertaining more to the writers where they've been asking for um the how much time like having more guaranteed time on shows so
1: yeah they they want a minimum of uh, a minimum hiring guarantee because currently when you get hired onto a job as a writer and as an actor you sometimes only get booked for that day and sometimes a week sometimes a month sometimes six months. So there is no job security and you have no idea how long you're going to be there. And because it is on that sort of like day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis or an episode basis, you literally have no job security. You have no idea how much money you're going to be making. You have no idea if you're going to be out of a job tomorrow. And obviously when you get a job, there's an expectation that you have that job. Obviously there's a trial period, right? It's generally like a typically like three to six month trial period in which like you and your employer can figure it out. That doesn't exist here. You show up, you get paid. If if it doesn't work, you get fired like that day in a text sometimes. Don't come back to work tomorrow. So it, I can definitely see that as being like a necessary job as an actor. I I don't know. Like, I kind of, you get hired on for a production, and I guess you could be fired, but like, the likelihood of that is less, less. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if they've invested
0: in you, if they've shot stuff with you, and now they have to redo all of that. Yeah.
1: And exactly. Whereas you could show up as a writer and they're just like, we really didn't like that pitch you're fired and i have also heard that the writers environment and i've heard from two really good friends who have been writers on multiple shows that you guys watch every day each of them has complained to me about how toxic their work environment is and how every day feels like a mental health crisis because of it which is insane to me because they're both very logical very incredible, very intelligent people. One one is a stand-up comic. She's hilarious. She has told me on two different productions every day, it's it's not worth it for the money that I am making. It's not worth it for the things that they say to me. It's not worth it for what I'm doing. It is such a toxic work environment. I don't know how long I'm going to have a job. And that level of stress really does add up and mounts to a level that's almost like unbearable to a certain extent for a lot of people so i think that's just where the writers are at right now
0: it's and it's part of it is the fact that you know they're understaffed and overworked and and that's one of the things they're like the more episodes you have on an episode order the more writers you should have on the team sometimes what happens is Mm -hmm. you have writers rooms where there's very few writers working on a large amount of episodes or you get an extra order of episodes and all of a sudden they're like well just do do the work And the
1: showrunner gets yeah. paid a lot and then the rest yeah. of people aren't, writers like, on it get paid nothing
0: the other thing is like the the, the reason why some of this doesn't jive well with the mbtp is because they if they guarantee these minimums for every show then there there are shows like like you know what taylor sheridan shows some of like, what he does he may write every episode of the entire season and so if you have an eight episode minimum of like a certain amount of writers on that staff that the bargaining, the collective bargaining agreement, uh, asks for, but Taylor Sheridan's writing every episode, then the studio now is obligated to pay a certain number of writers to basically not do a lot of work, which either you ask T- Taylor Sheridan and say, Hey, you gotta not work with these people because it's required by the WGA or you know, you don't agree. So I think there are like certainly from the NPD yeah. side, certain reasons why, but that's also where, you know. But
1: also I didn't read that the way that you read it, I think. I would say I read it in a way that if a writer gets signed on to a show, they're required to be on that show for a certain well, amount so of time. Well, there's two
0: things. So there's one of those things is the number of writers. Yeah. And then the other thing is like for once they get hired, they have to be on for a certain amount of time.
1: So yeah, so it wouldn't like require AMB, them to hire... Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't require every production to hire eight people for however long. Well, it it's will just... it will
0: be graded based on the amount of episodes the the show has.
1: Okay. Right. Which which makes sense, right. too. So, I don't know. Like, obviously, if Taylor Sheridan's writing every episode, maybe they don't. It,
0: exactly. And then, so the, the, the issue there, but you can kind of see how, like, if they were to yeah. make that a rule, they would still, they will probably need to put in some exceptions to the rule for certain very specific yeah. circumstances and have them not become loopholes that can be exploited. You know, like, so like yeah, it's, exactly. there's a lot of tricky things. The other big, big thing that I think we were talking about even before the show is viewership based residuals which quite yeah. simply don't work well for today's mm-hmm. streaming world the same way that they did for traditional linear broadcast and cable television where you have advertising revenue coming in so therefore you know you can pay out residuals based on ad, ad revenue yeah. you have tv ratings that you can based on your visual your, your viewership data on nowadays with your streaming account they can me- measure up to the minute how much or up to the second how much you're watching yeah. exactly what you're watching what time of day you're watching what genres you like to watch so they more data yeah. than ever, it's not, a, it's so, it's about, transparency. but you know what? But-
1: yeah, and it does. We were talking about it earlier. It, it doesn't make sense to take the same residual sort of parameters that we had with cable and network TV because they get paid through ad usage in this and that and the other with Netflix or for Paramount, every person no matter how much or how little they watch, is paying the same flat fee Exactly, to
0: watch. like $20 for Netflix, 12 exactly. bucks for so Paramount, Hulu. So yeah,
1: I have weeks where I watch absolutely nothing. And then I have weeks where I binge all of Firefly Lane and right. The Witcher and this and that, you know what I mean? Like there are weeks that my viewership varies so much. And there are people that pay for Netflix subscription and use it once a month like there's no way there's just no way in order to properly turn the residual
0: like sort the, of the old legacy structure Yeah, it
1: doesn't it doesn't work. Yeah. So it was a really good point that you had, but it's like if the residuals don't work, if we can't agree to a residual sort of standard when it comes to viewership based off of this factual information. There needs to be more payment upfront, like a bigger buyout, which is in order to make up for it.
0: And that's totally fair. And whether it's for the writers or the or the actors, I think that's a fair thing to ask for. But if I were to play devil's advocate with it, the AMTP might come back and say, well, then we are taking all the risk and you get the reward regardless of whether the show is successful or not like
1: and it's like you know what i mean like that so you
0: have to build in the budgets will go out. higher because you have to no matter what happens you have to start out with a higher uh floor to whatever budget you put together for a show because even yeah. if you cancel after one season you have, you have you're spending a certain amount of guaranteed money on it no matter what right which i think yeah. there's probably like i'm sure there's people out there who can run the numbers and find a way to make this work it's not impossible because at that point if you can agree on the fact that this has to be upfront rather than a residual based system or if the residuals do continue to exist they exist for like broadcast and linear tv but for streaming it's a different like you know that streaming could have its own structure if they can agree on that then i think it's all about it's all a numbers game and there's plenty of people you know very capable people involved in these negotiations who can run the numbers and make things work at that point it's just a matter of tweaking it until both sides have you know a fair deal in place um but But
1: honestly i would really like to know what you know what all of you guys think like what do you think would fix this situation it's so complex like what system would work if the old residual system doesn't work. So definitely like, let us know what you guys are thinking, where you sit, if you're involved at all in the in- entertainment industry, no matter where you are in the country, you know, I talk about LA a lot, but this is affecting the whole country. It's, it's affecting massive huge entertainment economies across the country it quite literally will affect the overall economy to a huge extent so i definitely i want to know what everyone is thinking like let us know what what are your ideas about how this is going to go it's hard to know because it's like it's such a complex situation how do you fix it like
0: how Right. So, yeah, it's difficult. Well, let us know in the comments below. Hit the like yeah. button. Let you know if you like this and subscribe for more. We will keep talking about this in the weeks and, and months to come. So, before we finish the show today, I just wanted to ask you about there's three movies coming out next week. There were supposed to be like four. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> what was the fourth one? The Chal- Challenger. Oh, the Challenger. Yeah. That got that got, the Sony, yep. All the Sony movies got moved, like the Zendaya yep. uh, led film.
1: I think it's so shocking that they, like, two weeks before. I, you know, I think that drop, announcement came him. out it's a like,
0: couple of months ago at this point.
1: Oh, did it? Or at least but a month. But I saw the.
0: Was it a month ago? Like, I feel like that. I it...
1: literally saw the trailer when I think I went to go see Barbie.
0: I think you might be right because this announcement was made in late July. So it's literally a couple of weeks. Yeah. You're right. So like a couple yeah. of weeks ago, they were like, oh, no, never mind. Challengers is just kidding, in April just kidding. of next Sorry, year. Sorry, guys.
1: No, 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 no,
0: no. no but next week, we do have a. Uh, grand Turismo. Gran Turismo is coming out yeah. next week. That's basically. On... I'm actually
1: really excited. I'm excited. Orlando Bloom was my childhood crush. Like, on a big, I was like in love with him. So, any Orlando Bloom movies have a soft spot in my heart. <laughs>
0: I would it wasn't a crush for me but I really didn't enjoy him I in mean, the Pirates movies um and I will say that you know the the cast for this movie looks great I'm forgetting the mm-hmm. name of the, the the main lead but like he was in the show C on Apple TV plus with Jason Mamoa yeah so he was playing one of his adult son I like I so I like him from there uh David Harbour's in this anything with David Harbor mm-hmm. I will go watch love David Harbor the grand Turismo story like what well, this is based on is real something happened in it, real life and so it's a yeah. fantastic story because I was when it was actually actually happening when they decided to like take these gamers who were playing the game grand Trace and say hey we're going to do a competition and see if you can actually drive a real like formula one car and actually race for real like and not just in a video game and then you know from that the person who's going to be the lead yeah. in this movie kind of emerged and then he went on to be part of the circuit like which is mind-boggling to think that you can kind of go from gaming on a yeah. computer or like on a console to actually doing it for real which is like you know you. Yeah. It's a very rare thing to see somebody be able to make that leap. And it's it's an inspiring story. I was following that when it was happening in real life. You would see reports on ESPN, on SportsCenter, like this is happening. And it was, in, you know, so it was inspiring at the time. And I've been looking forward to seeing this movie since they announced it. And yeah. the trailers have impressed me. And any good racing yeah. movie is a movie that I'll go check out. So I'm excited about it. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I'm definitely gonna go see it. But what are the other movies coming out this week? Because oh. I knew about Gran Turismo, but I'm like, the rest of them, like, huh?
0: There's also <laughs> the Voyage of the the Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, the Last of Voyage of
1: Demeter, which looks freaking creepy mm-hmm. so i have to go see it because i love me some vampire movies
0: that's a that's like a small indie movie from the creators who have like work their way up to this level and it's it's a movie yeah. that's gonna fly under the radar but if you, it's gonna be different from most other movies that are gonna be in theater next weekend so if you want to go check it, it out yeah
1: like og dracula vibes mm-hmm. and i read i read the original like count dracula novel um and so I'm really excited.
0: Yeah. It's, it's based on a single, it apparently, it's based on a single chilling chapter from Bram Stoker's classic Dracula novel. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, if this movie does well and it's like a breakout hit, then they might be like, hey, let's adapt a few more chapters of the novel. I know. See,
1: it's good. Yeah. It was a great book. And I was also so shocked because it was so much creepier than the sort of little wives' tales you hear about Dracula. Right. Because in the book, he is so crazy calculated Mm -hmm. and is so like
0: it's not a caricature like he's he's like no ledger's joker Joker, where he's you know he's the smartest man in the room even though he'll tell you he's not you know
1: yeah it's so creepy so if you guys haven't read the book like
0: just go see the movie but like read the book because (laughs) um (laughs) this is the sound oh absolutely so i'm
1: excited to go see that i might go see both
0: yeah and while you're going to see both in theaters there's also um a third movie that's actually not going to be in theaters it's going to be on netflix have you heard about this new gal gadot movie called heart of stone
1: i have not we
0: it's like this new action. It's sort of like a Mission Impossible esque sort of a movie. They've got yeah. they've got like um, Alia Bhatt, who's like a big Bollywood uh, star. She plays like the the villain of the movie, I think, or at least that's the way the trailers just show it. That's gonna kind of how
1: Priyanka Chopra broke out on the scene, right? I remember she played the villain in the uh,
0: was it the second? Remember. No, that was that was a different one. That was Ashwarya Rai was in the second Pink Panther. But like Priyanka Chopra had With like Ben that,
1: Affleck, right?
0: Was it her? i thought she was on that she was on an abc show and then and well now she's got a show on amazon prime which i mean she's had a fantastic career Yeah. now
1: she's all over the place but i remember yeah. when she was like breaking into the u.s market yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: i <laughs> definitely think this is one of those movies They're where definitely. netflix is making again again more of a play for an international audience like what they did with that ryan gosling yeah. movie um a year ago i forgot the name of it but the the rooster brothers directed it and chris evans was in it too and that was drive no not was Drive. That?
1: no that
0: was it was um <clears throat> We reviewed it on, on the show. It was it was one of those, basically, the, the movie was designed to st- start a whole franchise and they're going to have spinoffs yeah. and sequels now. And I think Netflix knows where its audiences are and which markets they, they have yeah. more growth potential in. And I think, so when I watch this movie trailer, I'm like, I can see almost the formula from the corporate office being applied to the screen in terms of mm-hmm. the audience. It's very much like they, they're not trying to be subtle about it but yeah having said that if the movie's got the right kind of action it's fun to watch and Gal Gadot's got all the charisma and charm in the world
1: I, yeah so. I it's so hard for me because she's so captivating mm-hmm. but I but, when I look at her I see
0: but she's not the best Wonder actress
1: <laughs> yeah I see Wonder Woman yeah. and what didn't she win like Miss Universe or something yeah so like that's what I see, and so it's gonna be kind of hard for me to like. I guess this is gonna sort of set my yeah. expectations. Oh, I mean, Jamie like Dornan's in it. Forward.
0: So if you're not in it for Gal Gadot, you can go watch it for Jamie Dornan, and, and you know he's love me some Jamie Dornan. Exactly. So
1: I yeah. had another huge crush on Jamie Dornan when he was <laughs> on um
0: Fifty Shades. Gosh,
1: Once Upon a Time. Oh, Once
0: Upon a Time. Okay.
1: Once Upon a Time. No, not Fifty, uh, 50 Shades. Shades. That okay. was.
0: No, I'm, okay, not, I'm okay, just I'm saying
1: that I'm moving on. Everybody. That was his movie um, career. Yeah, OK. Yeah. yeah, no, it was. That is. And then he Um. I still want to see it. He did a really incredible with Bel Belfont. I think he did. I was it Belfast.
0: Belfast. 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 Yeah. I haven't
1: seen Belfast. And apparently Belfast was incredible.
0: One of the best incredible. movies of the year last year. It got, you know, yeah, all of, all, it deserved every Oscar nomination it got. I don't think it ended up winning as much as it probably should have. Was it, was it last yeah. year or the year before? I feel like I might be missing it. It might have been two years ago. It, but yeah, I'm I feel like it did yeah. come out
1: kind of during COVID-ish times. Um, so, yeah, we got a lot of movies to Lots go see. Lots of movies to I... Oh, gosh. I don't know.
0: Which <laughs> one are you going to go see? All of them? I might not end up seeing The Last Voyage of the Demeter, but I'll most likely see Gran Turismo and I'll probably check out Heart of Stone on Netflix. But you know what? If I find the time, I'll go. We're doing it. I'm I'm telling you, I'm probably going to end up seeing The Meg 2 again with one of my friends. And then I may end up seeing Barbie again. (laughs) So uh, I'm just going to continue to enjoy, you know, the movies that are already out. But like Gran Turismo, I'm looking forward to. And Heart of Stone looks, I'll give it a shot. Let's see how good it is. And if it's bad, it's bad, you know, but like we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, All right. Well, yeah, this has been another great week of the movies. It's it's, a, it's another record-breaking box office weekend this week. And hopefully next week can, the trend continues. Maybe Barbie will still be number one at the box office. Who knows? Who knows? At this rate, you know, we might as well guarantee it. But yeah, we'll be Literally back Literally until
1: week. the end of the year. <laughs> end
0: of the year, probably. Well, maybe until like Dune comes out. Or maybe Blue Beetle will, mm-hmm. un- you know, um, surprise us. Who knows? We um, shall see. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been great talking to you again this week. And uh, we'll be back next week talking about more movies.